The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. In our series from Colossians 3, entitled Mortifying Your Members, we've come to the part in the lesson where Paul is teaching us to put off some things. Last time we looked at anger. Today we begin looking at blasphemy, filthy communications, and lying. Anger, wrath, and malice are sins of desire. They're sins of the heart. Blasphemy, filthy communications, and lying are sins of division that emanate from the desires of the heart. These particular sins that we're dealing with today divide us from one another as children of God. And it's so important to understand that we need to put these things off, put them away from us, so that we might live spiritually prosperous lives in the kingdom of God. We hope you'll stay tuned for the message, but first we have a song selection that we hope you enjoy.
turn to the third chapter of the book of Colossians, if you will. As you turn there, I do ask that you pray for me because, quite frankly, the last couple of sermons have been very difficult for me to preach because uh, I struggle with some of the things that we're dealing with here and that Paul is telling them to mortify and to put off. You may recall we've been, we've been preaching from the third chapter of the book of Colossians for a few Sundays now on the topic of mortifying our members, but that has expanded into putting off some things that are necessary in order for us to serve the Lord like he would have us to serve him. Down in verse 8, he says, But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. You know, every one of us as children of God has a little bit of spiritual schizophrenia going on. We got two different people dwelling inside of us. We have the old man that is perfectly content and comfortable in the world, in fact, longs for the things of the world and loves the things of the world. But then we've got the new man within us that hates those things and longs for a home in heaven and longs for the things of God to be manifest in our lives here. And those two persons, those two entities within us continually war with one another. They continually fight back and forth. And whichever one of those persons within us that we feed, that's the one that tends to win out. Now we talked last time about anger, wrath, and malice. We're dealing here in verse 8 with, with some sins of division, sins that tend to divide us from one another and from God. We talked about some attitudes that divide, some attitudes of division. That's the anger, wrath, and malice. We talked about that last time. And remember, we just dealt with them all together, but anger the meaning of anger here is that slow burn that stays with you, whereas wrath is that short fuse that flares up and then dissipates. But malice is the result of, pro of both of those continually being in your life, which is it leads to the idea of wanting to hurt somebody, wanting to do ill to them, having ill will toward them. And those are the attitudes that give rise, rise to the actions of division, actions that divide. And... We see these listed as blasphemy, filthy communication, and lying, okay? Now think about it. These sins that he is talking about here, the first ones are in the heart, but the, the last three are outward actions that manifest from what's in our heart. And they all cause all kinds of division. Blasphemy, it divides us from God. Filthy communication out of our mouths divides us from God and each other. Lying divides us from each other for sure, right? They're all sins of division. And we're going to see a common catalyst here that we kind of talked about last time. And it's, it's, kind of, it's a not-so-secret secret. And here's the not-so-secret secret. Division is usually caused by the tongue, right? I mean, I can pretty much control myself from coming down out of the pulpit and walking up to you and slapping you upside the face. You know, I, 
It takes me a little effort to get down from the pulpit. It takes me a little bit to get back there, you know. Plus, I'm thinking all that time that, you know, I'm not in the best shape that I used to be in. I might get one good slap in, but you're probably going to, you know, come back at me with several, and I'll get the worst end of that deal. I tend not to have trouble picking my gun up and shooting somebody. That's not really the kind of division, type of division that I struggle with. But I'll tell you what I do struggle with, and I suggest that every one of us here probably struggle with it, and that's keeping our tongue in our mouth. That's, that's not spouting off when we want to spout off. We tend to not have too much trouble with the other, but the trouble we have is taming the tongue. We're shortly, if the Lord will be with us and we move along well here, then we're going to go to James chapter 3, which is a chapter we all ought to read every single day, especially me. Now, now let, me, let me just say one more thing about this. One of the problems I have in preaching this sermon and the sermon last week and many sermons that I preached to you is that I feel like when I get up here, it's so embarrassing for me to preach on these topics because I know in my own life I don't have them conquered. In fact, I'll tell you what it makes me want to do. It makes me want to just turn around and preach this way where I don't have to look at your faces and I cannot be quite as embarrassed looking at your faces, especially the faces of my wife and family. When I say something like, you shouldn't have a short fuse, and they look at me like, what? You do it all the time. <laughs> and, and the point I'm trying to make, though, is this. We all struggle with this, and we cannot avoid it. Just because it's something we struggle with, it, it's easier to ignore it. But we should not do that. And I'm not going to do that. Even though I may, I, I'm, I will still struggle, I'm certain, with many of these issues. You will still struggle with them. But just because we struggle with them doesn't mean we ought to ignore them. It just means we ought to keep struggling. We ought to keep trying. Our goal ought to be tomorrow to be better than we were today. And the day after that to be better than we were tomorrow. And I know we're never going to be seamlessly perfect, but we ought to be trying to meet the mark. And by the way, the mark is not somebody else you look around in the church. Don't look around you and say, oh man, they've got it all together. I just wish I could be like them. You just don't know. <laughs> That's the problem. If you feel that way, you just don't know. You just think they do. Oh, look at that family. Man, they're perfect. They, no, they're not. <laughs> they're not. That, and by, by the way, you're looking at the wrong mark. The measuring rod is Christ. It's not me or you or someone else. In fact, the Bible deals with that over in, I believe it's 2 Corinthians, where Paul says, they measuring, them, measuring themselves among themselves are not wise. In other words, comparing yourself to one another, that's not the way to go. Compare your life to Christ. And I think you'll be as convicted as I've been this week studying and as I am today preaching this message so let's identify the trouble here. That's the first thing we always ought to do. We've talked about anger, wrath, and malice. Now these outward manifestations of that, first of all, is blasphemy. Blasphemy. Now that word blasphemy is literally, it's almost transliterated from the Greek. Blasphemia is the Greek word there. And it, it means reviling and slander. And it is speech that injures somebody's good name. And of course, in religious usage, we always are talking about it in terms of blaspheming the name of God, speaking things that are impious or reproachful or that injure the divine majesty. And I know we can't really injure him, but I'm talking about it in our minds and the minds of others that bring him down. That's blasphemy, okay? 
Now, but notice it's more than that. It's, 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 it's just in general slander and, and speech that brings uh, uh, the name of someone down. We're going to apply it primarily to God. It's, it's speech that brings God's name down. Now, blasphemy, though, we need to think of it in, in a more expanded sense than we normally think of it. You know, if somebody gets up and curses the name of God, he's being blasphemous. If somebody, you know, says God and Satan are the same, that's blasphemy. Yeah, it is. I get it. But it's more than that. More than that falls under this category. I can, I've, as I've studied it, I've sort of come to the conclusion that blasphemy is the verbal equivalent of idolatry. Okay? You remember we've said before in talking about idolatry that it's not just building yourself a little idol and burning incense to it. You know, somebody says, you're an idolater. And you might say, well, I'm not an idolater. I don't, I don't worship little icons and idols that I set up in, my, in a corner and I sacrifice to them. Well, idolatry is more than that. Idolatry is anything that gets between you and God. An idol can be anything. An idol can be your work. An idol can be your recreation. An idol can be uh, your family. Your, uh, it can be a person. It can be anything that gets between you and God. I knew a man one time who, uh, when hunting season, deer hunting season came around, he, you never saw him in the church house. Never saw him. For that whole season, you just you go ahead and write it down. He would not be in church. And his response, of course, was, well, I can worship God in the tree stand, just as well as I can worship him at church. But uh, as I heard Brother Ronald Lawrence say, I've never heard anybody sing an amazing grace in a tree stand while a deer was walking by. <laughs> uh, now, the truth is you can worship God anywhere, but you cannot worship him in the way he intends for you to worship him if you let something like that come between you and the house and the assembly of God, you see. So idolatry is more than just... Um, just falling down and worshiping some carved idol. Same thing with blasphemy. It's more than just uh, saying something that is uh, detrimental or, bring, or downgrades God, okay, or denigrates God. Blasphemy, as I said, I believe is the verbal equivalent of idolatry, and it's anything we say that is contrary to God's word and will in our lives, anything that is contrary to sanctified living to what God wants us to be doing. Now, as I said, it can certainly be false doctrine. It can be, it can be uh, something that ascribes, uh, uh, you know, to, to man some of the things that God has done. For instance, I believe that, uh, that it's blasphemy to God to say that it's up to us to get ourselves to heaven. That's, that blasphemes, that's, that's contrary to sound doctrine. But it can, it can also be false practice. It can be something that shows God differently than what he appears in the word. You know, one of the things we don't believe in as primitive Baptists is we don't believe in uh, putting pictures of Jesus up in the church. We don't believe we should have those kinds of things up in here because, first of all, nobody knows what he looks like. And I understand that, you know, I, I get it that some of these pictures are good to look at and I've seen some pretty art but I want to tell you something if any artist ever rendered Christ in the way he really looked on the cross you couldn't look at it child of God it would turn your stomach 
You know, all these pretty pictures of Jesus hanging with his head slumped over and the crown of thorns and a light shining around him. And he looks this fine specimen of a man. Got some blood on him. Yeah, got some, you know, uh, uh, got nails in his hands and feet. But we're told in the book of Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 52, that he, his visage, his face was so marred more than any man. He had been beaten to a pulp. He, had been, he, he said you could count his bones. His ribs were showing from the lashings that he had taken. He would have been, it would have turned your stomach to look at him. You know, I saw portions, I never saw the whole movie. I saw portions of that movie, The Passion of the Christ. And it came probably as close as you can get to showing just how bad it was. But even that did not, did not uh, do it justice, you see. It can be some kind of false idea about God. But listen, it can also be, blasphemy can also be false statements that we sometimes make in our everyday life. You ever said this before? Well, I know that's good for church, but this is the real world. <laughs> it doesn't work out in the real world. Child of God, that's blasphemy. You know why that's blasphemy? Because that's bringing God down. You're saying, well, God can rule in church, but he can't rule out there in the real world. <laughs> I know what you're saying, Brother Chris. This is the way we ought to treat each other in church, but we got we to gotta treat each other differently when we're in business. No, you do not. You do not. Politics. Y'all know I'm involved in it. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world out there. But you know what? You don't have to eat the dog. <laughs> you don't have to be in that kind, of, that kind of frame of mind. Now, you may not succeed in politics. That's okay. But you don't have the right to bring God down by saying, well, he can rule here, but he can't rule in politics. Also, what about this one? I can't help the way I am. God just made me that way. Well, first of all, God didn't make you that way. Okay? You want to know why you're the way you are? Well, if you had the ability to trace back your DNA all the way back to the Garden of Eden, you'd find a time when that perfect DNA of Adam got corrupted by sin and things began to get bad. They began to go haywire. <laughs> you can blame Adam for how you are. Oh, I just, God made me this way. I just can't, you know, I can't help it. Yes, you can help it. The whole Bible's written to children of God for, for us to be able to help it. <laughs> I know you've got, some, you've got some natural tendencies that, that, that burden you down. Some, I call them besetting sins, sins that easily beset you, okay? And I do too. Yours may be different than mine. Golden Oreos are mine. <laughs> you may not like them. I do. I love them. I could eat the whole package, you know? Gluttony there. But that may not be your issue. But you may have some other issue that burdens you down. But you, you say, well, I just can't help it. God made me that way. You know, I wish I could say that when we eat over here. I say, I can't help it. I just got to get two or three plates because God made me that way. No, you're making yourself that way. <laughs> um, you might say something like, well, I know I didn't do right, but nobody could have resisted that temptation. You know, you've just blasphemed God because God says he's faithful and made a way <laughs> for you. He said, no, there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape that you may be, may be able to bear it. You see, some, sometimes we say things like, well, that's just natural. Well, I'll amen that. It is. It's not spiritual. <laughs> some of the things we do. You see, here's my point. All that kind of worldly thinking is blasphemy 
when considering who we are as children of God, and even more importantly, whose we are. Don't just think about who you are. Think about whose you are. Think about who you belong to. Over in the sixth chapter of 1 Corinthians, he said, You're not your own. You're bought with a price. And oh, what a terrible price it was. Oh, it's a price that you can't ever come close to. The world could not amass enough treasure to even come anywhere close to the price of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that's the whole point here. That's the whole reason that I had to put my own embarrassment and my own conviction, being convicted over these things aside and preach to you this morning is because it's not about me, it's about Him. <laughs> and I belong to Him. And you belong to Him. And blasphemy divides us from God. Blasphemy takes us, takes our eyes away from God and puts it on other things and in a sense causes us to turn our backs upon Him. Now up to this point you may say, preacher, that's some good preaching. I'm afraid after this next one, me and all of us to some extent or another are going to say, preacher, you done quit preaching and gone to meddling. <laughs> Look at the next one. Filthy communication out of your mouth. Number eight, or verse eight. Filthy communication out of your mouth. Now the literal definition of that from Strong's Concordance is vile conversation or foul speaking, low or obscene speech. In one other lexicon it calls it shameful speaking. And we all know that Exodus 20 and verse seven this tells us that thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And I trust that we all here uh, struggle probably, but try to refrain from using the Lord's name in a cursing way. But Ephesians 4 and verse 29, which is the counterpart here to, uh, to chapter 3 of Colossians, sort of restates this same thought in a different way. It says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now that's the standard that we should use in evaluating everything we say in life. That's the standard. Now, now that's a tough standard. I confess to you, I struggle with it still. I really struggled with it in the past. In uh, the things that I said uh, using corrupt communication, using cursing and swearing and that sort of thing. Um, but that's the standard that we should use in evaluating everything we say. Is it edifying and does it minister grace to the hearers? Does it lift God up? Does it lift God's, their idea of God up in encountering us? When we go and meet somebody, when we're around somebody... Can we say when we leave them that they have a better view of God after they leave us than before they met us, you see? And that word corrupt there literally means rotten or putrefied. I know I've shared this with you, and I'm, I just can't think of a better example. Probably about nine or ten years ago now, when we took some of the kids over to the skating rink, one of them left a salad in a closed-up box 
that they had brought from Zaxby's or somewhere in the back of our van. And, you know, it just sat there. And I'm, I'm sorry, it wasn't the back of our van. In the back of my vehicle that I used for work, because if it had been in the back of the van, Sister Sherry would have found it. <laughs> but it was in my vehicle that, I'm sorry to say, didn't get cleaned up very often. So about six months later, about six months later, I decided it was time to clean up my, my vehicle. It was an SUV, and so I started crawling around there, pulling stuff out, and, and I said, oh, this box, that's interesting. And when I shook that box just a little bit, the most awful, horrible stench, I think it was worse than the dead chickens that I've ever smelled, comes out of there, partly because I wasn't expecting it. And, uh, and I opened that thing up, and I can't even tell you, what, I, it, it was some kind of salad at one point in its, in its existence, but by then it was just, anyway. My point being that it was sickening. I get sick thinking about it to this day. But listen to me. That's what God calls filthy communication. You see? That filthy communication there, it's as if God's stomach is turned by the rottenness of our speech sometimes. And we need to remember that, you see. Now, it's more than just taking God's name in vain. It's any kind of low speech. It can include cursing, certainly. It can inc but it can include just foolish talking. Look, look at Ephesians right quick, chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 4. Well, let's go back up to uh, verse 3 just to catch the context. This sort of is similar to what we're looking at in Colossians Chapter 3, right? But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Okay? Look at this filthiness, foolish talking, and jesting. That foolish talking there is a Greek word, it's a compound word. And it's silly talk or just uh, crazy talking. Talking without forethought or wisdom is what it literally means. And the word that's uh, combined, it's, it's the words moros and logia. And another version of that word moros is moron. Okay? Does that get the point across? It's where we get our word moron, okay? From, from that word moros... And it means just without forethought or wisdom. And the other word is logia, logos. Well, remember, logos is, uh, is the word that's translated capital W word over in John chapter 1. And the idea of logos is a, it's, it's a spoken word, it's a written word, but it's wisdom, okay? Well, you put those two together, and it's just foolish talking, silly talking. And look at jesting. Now, that word jesting doesn't mean telling some bland joke. It's okay to have fun. It's okay to kid around, okay? That's not what he's saying. We should never tell a joke. That's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is we shouldn't be telling dirty jokes. We shouldn't be telling low jokes. We shouldn't be uh, telling jokes and, and laughing about things that are unclean, you see. And the idea here, again, as I've already said, is that God's stomach is turned by the rottenness of our speech when we engage in this kind of speech. So see what happens? The filthy communications here, blasphemy divides us from God. The filthy communications divide us from God and from his kingdom. It would be, I, I've known some preachers 
In fact, there was a preacher out in uh, Washington, not a primitive Baptist preacher, but he was, a, he was a pastor of some big mega church out there, and he was known as the cussing pastor. <laughs> now, now listen, I mean, if I ever get known as a cussing pastor, you need a new pastor, okay? There's just some things that, we, that don't belong in the church. It doesn't belong anywhere, but it certainly doesn't belong in the church. But if I got up in the church doing foolish talking and cursing and all that, then what would that do? That would divide me from the kingdom of God, the visible aspect of the kingdom. You'd have to deal with me, you see. Sins of division. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.